Our experiences are what define us. Everything in your life can teach you. We call these our defining moments. Now, join Debbie Montgomery Johnson and her featured guest as they help you stop hiding things in your life and instead learn to embrace them and stand proud. It's Defining Moments, and it begins now. Here is your host, Debbie Montgomery Johnson. Hello, everybody. This is Debbie Montgomery Johnson, and I am your host for Defining Moments today. I'm so excited to be here. It's a beautiful day in South Florida. Finally, we've had a cold front. Makes my friends laugh. I think it got down to about 60 the other day, and it's back up to 75, 80 degrees and just beautiful. But as I'm sitting here, I was just thinking about the news and what's going on in the world. And this is definitely not a political show, but I just wanted to make note that yesterday, as I was sitting in the comfort of my home, just realizing how blessed I was to be here and and with my family, uh, then we got the news of the incident in New York City. And I know this is an international broadcast and things happen around the world, but this was very personal to me because as I was looking at New York City and the things that were happening in lower Manhattan, I realized that my stepdaughter lives up in New York and I really didn't know where she was. And I hadn't said anything to her dad until he walked in the house and I'm looking at the news and I said, where does your daughter, where, you know, where does our daughter, our, our daughter live and where is she working in Manhattan? And he told me and it happened to be right down the street from where this incident was taking place. And I could see in an instant that his heart started to beat and he, I said, you need to call her and find out where she is. Well, thank goodness she was at work, didn't know what was going on, but it just made me realize that, you know what? The world is an interesting place, and I tend to isolate myself in a five to ten mile range around my home, and that's my safe zone, and that makes me feel good because I typically know what's going on, but sometimes we don't, and I have a dear friend on as my guest today, Kasia Lockett, and Kasia has just moved to Barcelona, Spain. She was living in England, and I remember when we met in San Diego this past summer, that Barcelona experienced the very similar thing to what New York City did yesterday. And I remember the way it affected Kazia because she was just moving to Barcelona, just thinking it was going to be a quiet place and a great place to take her family. And boom, that happened. Well, we live in a, in a world where things like that will happen. And Kazia and I were just talking a moment ago about how we can't isolate ourselves because of what the bad's doing to us. We need to just be out there and be strong and be willing to accept that whatever we can do to be safe as a family is important, but we need to be in the world. We don't need to be of the world, but those of us that are strong, wonderful people, good people trying to do good things in the world need to be in the world, but not of it. And that's what we're going to talk today about, our defining moments and how our hidden stories can be something of worth and of value, not only to ourselves, but to men and women around us. And it's exciting. It's exciting when you get brave enough to tell your story. And when people are bobbing their head and nodding in agreement that they feel what you're doing, they feel what you've, what you've done, they feel your pain, they feel your joys, and they feel your pivotal moments, as Kasia calls them, I call them those defining moments, when they feel them. They really will live them. And I want you to take a moment before we start our discussion today to just breathe and just think about those moments in your life that have been defining for you. 
the thing that might have changed your life forever. And I say sometimes they come with a cost and sometimes they don't. Sometimes they cost other people something. But it doesn't matter. I just want you to breathe it in and just say, it's part of my life. It's part of my quilt. And I'm just going to wrap myself up in it and stay warm and just, you know, live it as best I can. And I'm going to help someone go along in their lives with me. So I want you to keep that in mind as Cassia and I talk about our pivotal times, our defining moments, and think about how are you going to help someone today? How are you going to be brave today and tell your story if you've got one that you really want to be telling? And most of us do. Most of us, as I say, put up that mask, hide behind perfection, and don't want anybody to see our cracks. But it's those cracks that will allow some really good growing moments to come through. So before I keep going on and on, because I love being able to talk about defining moments, I'm going to introduce my guest, Kazia Luckett. She's coming to us from Barcelona, Spain. And I just want to make sure she's there. Hello. Oh, yes. I'm still here. I'm still here. Hi, dear. I want to tell everybody that you are called the Conscious Connector. You are the Conscious Connector, CEO and trailblazer behind Women of Contribution which is a powerful global movement for purpose-driven women who want to collaborate and share their gifts with the world. And, oh my gosh, you are the Conscious Connector, and I am so glad you're here. Welcome, welcome, my friend. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here, and I, I loved hearing what you were saying earlier about the badness that's out potentially in the world and how we can't cut ourselves off from it. We have to just live our lives. We can't. And and I think as I've put myself around women that are being courageous and coming out and telling their stories that I, I truly understand the mission that you are on with your women of contribution because there are so many out there that are just waiting to help another. And we don't want to hide our light. You know, it's now time to stand on I love to stand on that bushel and put yourself out there and do it in a in a conscious way, do it in a not in a bold, brash way, but in a very loving way. And I think that's what's important now. So, my dear, I always start my show, or I try to start my show off, introducing my guests through their families. Can you give us just a little bit of who you are? And I want to hear a mom story. Can you tell me a good mom story? Either you as a mom or your mom and you. Well, I'm, I'm a mom to two children, Emily and Jack. Um, And I am one of three. I've got two younger brothers. um, And I'm probably going to tell a mum story of my mum because for many years we had quite a turbulent past. I was the daddy's girl, um, which I I suppose looking back with adult eyes can tend to make mum feel a little left out um, because you get that special bond with with your father. But uh, a couple of years, I had a massive falling out with my dad. It's all sorted now, but I had a massive falling out with my dad. And it truly allowed me the opportunity to see my mum for the very first time, to really understand who this woman was and actually start to fully appreciate her in all her amazing glory. Because as a teenager, you tend to rub each other up the wrong way. Um, and my, my mum was only 19 when she had me. So she was still relatively young herself and was obviously trying to bring me up based on the experiences that she had had in the past. But 
when I truly started to see my mum for who she was, it just broke my heart, really, that I had spent so many years at loggerheads with her. Because before me, when I kind of really took her in and saw her for the very first time, I realized that this was a woman who was not only a hard worker, but had dedicated her life to helping others. And I suppose when we hear what our parents do, we, we kind of tend to be quite flippant about them. Um, but my mum was incredibly a hard worker. But as a teen, I thought she was quite lazy. Every afternoon, she would take a nap on the sofa. And when I think back to those memories, I, I just put two and two together and came up with 26. I figured that she must be incredibly lazy. And unbeknownst to me, she was working several jobs. Um, I was aware of one um, that involved her walking the streets of Torrington, um, which is a, a town near where she lived, keeping teenager kids out of trouble and actually keeping them on the straight and narrow, being that listening ear, helping them out when things were going wrong at home. And actually, I wasn't fully aware of the amazing job that she was doing. And not only was she doing that, she got to the point where she was bringing the, these kids home. Um, you know, if they fell out with their parents, she was giving them a safe space to, to spend the night. And then she became a foster parent. Her and my dad became foster parents to teenage boys because, let's be honest, most foster families want the cute little kids. Nine times out of ten, they don't want what they perceive to be as potential troubled teenagers. But... My mum has spent her whole life dedicated to helping others. Um, but the bad side about that is that I learnt very early on that actually you give, give, give and give and all too often you forget about caring for yourself. Um, and that's a story that I've had to teach myself is how to put myself first in order to be able to help others. When my mum did the reverse, she put everybody ahead of her own needs um, to the point that, you know, um, she was just exhausted all the time. So I think that's when you hear the story about the airplane and you're on the plane and they say, put your own mask on before you hand it over to your child or your husband or whoever you're giving it to. Because if you don't fill up your own well, if you don't give yourself the water, the nourishment, then physically you're going to fall apart. And then mentally you've got nothing else to give. And I'm sure that sounds like that might have happened to your mom. Did you at any point feel that mom was doing too much for the other kids and was leaving you behind? Um, <laughs> I, I'm laughing because I can hear my mom's words ringing in my ears at this moment in time where I, as a, I mean, I was almost leaving home when she was doing all this and, um, uh, before she started fostering kids, I was living at home. When I left home, she started fostering. But I remember having a huge uh, row with her one day and saying to her, you care more about the other kids than you do about me. <laughs> now, that was a story I was telling myself. It wasn't reality at all. But as a stroppy teenager, we're very self-focused. And I couldn't see beyond the end of my nose. So, yes, um, most definitely. I, I thought she was doing more for the other kids than she was doing for me, but that wasn't the reality. And that's really interesting because that becomes our reality, even as 50-year-olds, if we don't address it. 
because I had the same feeling that when I went away to school that my mom was more closer to my girlfriend. And then as I've gotten older, I'm like, Dad, that was really a silly thought. That was not what was happening. But as a teenager, that's what went into my mind, and that's the story I was telling myself. And it, it, isn't it interesting how those stories, that subconscious that we've created over the years, becomes our reality? And Most definitely. And then it becomes a reality for our children and their children because they're living what we're living. And so when is it the time to stop? How, and I know that you've gone into, you've now started a master's, you have a master's degree in psychology. And at one point, do you realize that it's time to change that reality? How do you do that? Um, you do. Um, and uh, I think it's, it's, for me, it was um, an awakening and awareness of who I was as a person. And actually, I wrote a huge list of, I suppose, wrongs, the way that I felt that I had been wronged in life and some of the experiences that I had gone through in life. And I, I started to look at them with adult lives, with the knowledge and wisdom that I've got now. And I started to put different terminology around the stories that I was telling myself and it's amazing how when you do that not only can you then start to to realize that those experiences were not necessarily how we remember them but we're actually um, we can actually change the way that we, we think and feel about those situations and it's 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 that that I did over a period of time is just looking at a variety of different situations I'd found myself in and actually started to change the way that I viewed those stories based on the wisdom and knowledge that I have now. Now, you and I met doing a Change Makers uh, event out in California. And the, the whole premise of that was that we gathered these wonderful international people together, the, those that have a passion or a movement to make change in the world. But we had an opportunity to speak. And for some, it was the first time they'd actually spoken on a stage and spoken their hidden stories. And for me, it was, I had done it before, but again, it was defining moments and I was bringing those out to the world. And I found for me, the more I tell them, the stronger I get. Now, I remember when you came up, we're going to go into this story in our next segment about your defining moment as a child and what actually, how that molded you and how that changed you from the inside out. And I, we won't go into it all of it because I know you've got a book coming out and, and there's stories about it, but I want you to, to touch the lives of the parents that are listening to look and see, notice the things that are going on in their children's lives. Notice the way that they t- that you talk to your child. Uh, I remember when my daughter was really little, and my husband used to kid her a lot. And he would kid her about her weight. He would kid her about her hair, her ears, or whatever. And I kept thinking, you know, honey, don't do that. Because as a, as a girl, I had that happen to me. And I remembered those things. I remembered the way people said, oh, you're just athletic. You're a big girl. I'm thinking, I'm looking now, I'm going, okay, well, I have the same bones that I had back then when I was big boned. And it's amazing how your your mind will just latch onto the things people say to you, about you, and that becomes you. Mm-hmm. And I know that's happened in your life. We're going to talk about a little bit about that and a little bit about how you can protect your children from that happening. Um, in the meantime, though, there's one quick thing I want to talk about, and you made a comment one time, and I think you might have said it to your kids because I've said it to mine, is that 
don't dumb down. Don't dumb down for the world. Really briefly, what do you mean by don't dumb down? I was bullied in school and I tried to fit in. And in order to fit in, I toned down that part of me that I thought would make me different. And for me, it was asking questions. Why? Why was my question? Everything, if you listen to my mum, everything was about why. And so I toned down that part of me and in the meantime, lost the love of learning and the understanding that I was actually good at learning. Don't dumb down for anybody, regardless of what you think needs to happen. Don't dumb down. Okay, and that could be dumbing down academically, socially. However, uh, my oldest son, we used to give him a hard time about dumbing down because he loved life, and he was young, and he was smart, and I think he was a little um, audacious and bold to his friends, and so to fit in, he would dumb down, and he would try to sleep in class, and then, of course, when he'd get caught by his teachers and he'd come up with the answer, they'd be amazed at how he could answer a question from a dead sleep. And I'm like, well, you know, you need to shine, honey. Don't hide that. And uh, But it's it's to fit in. Like you said, to fit in, we want to be kind of the calm and, and no ripple in the pool. We want to be quiet and just kind of be there. So, Kazia, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, I'm going to address the why the why to what you're doing today, and uh, and we'll be right back and talk about that. But in the meantime, folks, take a breath, drink some water, think about your defining moment, and come back to us shortly. This is Voice America Women. We are leaders in the forward movement of women's success. If you've always wanted to take the lead in your life, but you don't believe you are a leader, then it's time to change that mindset. Leadership expert Linda Patton will help you discover the powerful leader that lives within and teach you the leadership skills that will transform your business and your life. Stepping into your leadership brings reality to your vision, and leadership can be learned. Find out more on Leadership Stars every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Are you ready to move to your next level? Listen for Empowering Women, Transforming Lives with host Rebecca Hall Greider. Each show will focus on a central topic with discussion, guests, and your questions being featured. Our show is perfect for women who feel a call in their heart to step out in a bigger, more powerful way in their life and just need some encouragement, inspiration, and practical steps to support them on their journey. Empowering Women, Transforming Lives can be heard live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. And join us for a replay of the show on Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Voice America Network proudly presents The Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. The Voice America Women's Channel. are listening to Defining Moments with Debbie Montgomery Johnson. To reach the show today, please call in to 1-866-613-1612. 
That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to Debbie at thewomanbehindthesmile.com. That's D-E-B-B-Y at thewomanbehindthesmile.com. Now, back to Defining Moments. Welcome back, everybody. I'm here with my guest, Kazia Luckett, from Spain right now. But you can hear it in her accent that she's not originally from Spain. She comes to us from England. And I love what she has to say about not dumbing down and being, you know, standing up for yourself. And she mentioned about the why, how she used to just kind of dumb down her whys and asking the question why. And I find that very interesting because I just was given a book called Start With Why by Simon Sinek. And I just started reading it. And it's amazing to me that we forget the why. And the why is why we can inspire people. He had a great um, message in the very beginning of the book and said, there are leaders and there are those who lead. Leaders hold a position of power or influence those who lead inspire us. And I was like, wow, what a great thought. Because we all want to lead, but I think from that, we'd all rather inspire. And when I met Kazia out in California, I was inspired by this lovely woman that is coming to us with a message. And when she gave her story, I learned about a hurt in her life. And I'm thinking, she's been inspired to speak up and to drop the mask, and to be an inspiration to other women. And Kazia, you wrote something in a letter that I saw here, and it said that real women support each other rather than tear each other down. They collaborate rather than compete. And they recognize their true inner beauty rather than belittling others to feel good. Thank you for saying that. How... Did you come about to really feel that and believe that? Because when you were a young girl, you just said that you were bullied. And everybody was telling you the opposite of that. Can you kind of explain to us your story and how you've made that transition from being the bullied to being the brave? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if I call myself brave, but... Um, I call yes. you brave. <laughs> Thank you. I will accept that as, as the gift that it's been given. Um, I was bullied um, probably from about 13, 14 onwards. My parents moved me to an, a new part of uh, the country where um, I spoke differently. I wasn't from around there. And actually, the bullying started with the way I looked. And um, I was teased for being quite thin, probably li- like you were saying about, you know, growing into your bones, etc. But it, it was it felt like it was constant. I'm sure now looking with adult eyes, it probably wasn't. But, you know, for a child that's really unhappy because they've been moved from everything that they know and love, um, to be in a situation where they're feeling like they're standing out like a sore thumb and people are commenting on it. I, stupidly is probably not the right word, but I, I decided to accept their, their gifts of the words that they were calling me and absorb them as if they were my own. So I absorbed the, the, the gift of, of, of being ugly and being, you know, unattractive and nobody would want me and all of those things that, you know, those hurtful things that children tend to say in those situations. Looking back with adult eyes, um, it for me was a defining moment, as you would say, or a pivotal moment for me. It it taught me so many things about human nature. And actually, 
thinking back, I can now look at those those girls um, with a different view. They they taught me how to be strong. They taught me about resilience in the face of adversity. They also taught me what happens when others are trying to find their place in this world. And actually, they believe, probably because of immaturity, that the only way to find your place in the world is to be that leader that you were just talking about and make your stamp and push people aside to be able to do that. But actually, it doesn't need to be that way. You know, Women of Contribution, my movement that I've set up, is all about the collaboration and sharing your gifts with the world and, and stepping up, stepping in and be visible for the leader that you are. And you don't need to compete against others to do that. In actual fact, it's amazing when you collaborate with others. It's amazing when you, you know, support each other in your mission. And that's where the magic really starts to happen. I think, you know, if you're looking back as when we were young women, there was not a whole lot of collaboration. It's, uh, you, you know, you didn't hear about the mastermind. You didn't hear about the women's groups or the young the young women's groups. Uh, you, were out, you were out there competing for the boys. You were competing yes. for sports. <laughs> you were competing for all these things that, that everybody told you were important, but you were kind of leaving your girlfriends aside. Uh, at least it's different than what, than, than what you and I are doing today. The girlfriends are very important today for that support for that, you know, giving us the rah-rah, the cheerleader. I mean, I remember when I when I first came out and told my story, it was around a group of like-minded, supportive women who just gave me the courage to speak up versus when we were young or even some younger women today, when they hear my story, it's a completely different reaction. It's like, well, that was really stupid. Why did you do that? I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, my goodness, you girls have not lived a life. Do you do you hear that? Do you see that now about uh, you know the the younger women are still a little bit competitive uh, and put to put people down. Not in general. I am so generalizing, but I think as we mature, at least I have, I've gotten better about that. How about you? I, I, I think so, because as we get older, we become more authentically us, and we're more comfortable with being authentically us. It's funny, today on the beach, I saw three young women, and they were taking photos of each other by by the water, and they must have, you know, in old days with us, they would have gone through several films taking those those pictures, trying to get them perfect, and I think that there is this big push these days in social media to be everything that they perceive that we should be, where as we get older, I think we're more accepting of ourselves, warts and alls, and actually we don't hide those warts. Being vulnerable is seen as as one of those character traits that's quite admirable in others. You know, I, I want to follow people that are open and honest and vulnerable about their journey to get where they, they've gone. I, I don't want some perfect person telling me how they went from X to Y um, without a journey in between. It's those stories that really give that trust and authenticity that I'm, I would be looking for when, you know, speaking to a friend or, or choosing a coach, for example, in the business world. Well, and as you bring up stories, now, can you explain to the audience a little bit about what is this collection of stories and your whole women of contribution? What are you doing with those women? And are they just in England? Are they in Spain? Where are you, where are you talking to women? 
Well, I'm talking to women all around the world. Um, I'm, I'm putting together the first of hopefully many books called the Pay It Forward series, Notes to My Younger Self. And it's all about 20 key women of contribution from around the world. And when I talk about contribution, I'm, I'm not necessarily t talking about women that have made the most money or impacted on the most people. I'm talking about people that want to contribute to other women by sharing their stories. And Notes to My Younger Self came about on Boxing Day. Uh, Boxing Day is the day after Christmas in the UK. I went out for a walk and it was absolutely pouring down with rain. And I literally got five minutes down the road and I had to turn back and go and sit beside my computer because these questions were coming thick and fast. Um, they were they were so insistent that I, I had to go back and sit in front of the, 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 the computer. And they were all questions around the pivotal moments in my life, those gut-reaching moments that most people would like to forget. But the question that kept coming up was, would life have been any different and would those experiences played out any different if I could go back in time and share the wisdom, knowledge and inspiration that I've gathered from living my life? And that was the idea for um, the, the notes to my younger self. And when I started thinking about um, the kind of book that I wanted to do, I wanted a book that gave back. Um, so the proceeds um, will go to female-based charities and that's where Women of Contribution was born. It came from the idea of the book is what would happen if women from around the world could meet in one place and actually learn how to stand up and share their gifts with the world but also collaborate with other women to ensure that we can help as many people as possible. Well, it's a marvelous idea, and I, I know that sitting down and writing a story to yourself is is a genuine gift to yourself and to your family, because you can look back and say, oh my gosh, those are my aha moments. That's when I, that's when I felt, you know, I'm looking at you as a, a beautiful young woman and thinking as a younger woman, um, when I was younger, it was those pretty blonde, skinny girls with the blue eyes and the pretty smiles. Those are the girls that I wanted to be like. And I wasn't. I was the athletic, you know, brunette and, and you know, had a little meat on my bones. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know what? Those are my friends now. And those are the girls that had the same insecurities that I did. It's just I didn't see them. And they certainly didn't put them out there for me to see. Uh, but as we get older and we start talking, and, and that's how you learn about someone's true character, is what did they go through and how did they feel? And was it what I thought they felt or, or completely different? And I'm finding that usually what I thought was completely different than what they were thinking. And how it's just a joy to hear stories. And I, I, I'm not quite sure what the stories are that your women are going to be telling but I encourage folks, when that book comes out, pay it forward, look for it. It's going to have some gems, some real nuggets of gold that each one of us can learn from. And thank you for doing that. But how did you, how did you come about this and why is it so important to you? What are you trying to do with it? Uh, you, you said a little bit about it, but where do you see this going and how are you going to get it there? The, the, the book itself, Notes to My Younger Self, is, I, I believe, as, as you've kind of alluded to, a, a, a big therapeutic process. It's, it's about 
changing the story that we tell ourselves because all too often those pivotal moments happen in our lives and we want to hide them. It, it, we, we might be, you know, have fear or shame associated with them. Um, we might be embarrassed that we've gone through those those. Um, things that we think we shouldn't have gone through um, and obviously your story um, I know you've talked about this in in the past but actually we should share those stories because it's those stories that help to empower and help other people um, we can't keep them hidden anymore and what I'm hoping to do with those stories is obviously empower a whole generation of women um, a whole um, group of women around the world that can not only read the stories for themselves, but can also pay those for uh, stories forward. So there's space at the front of the book where they can write a note to family, friends, um, complete strangers, and just pay that book forward, uh, pay that knowledge forward. So um, that's ideally what you know what I'm looking to do with it. But it's also part of my dissertation and my research that I'm doing for my master's in applied positive psychology is about changing the stories that we tell and gaining a sense of meaning from what's happened to us in our lives. Again, but what a gift to be able to write in the front of that book and then to hand it to your daughter or to a neighbor, you know, or someone just off the street who doesn't know who you are and say, you know, this is me. I hope you enjoy it. And please think about your own pivotal moments, your defining moments that maybe you can take and change the life of someone around you for the good. And I, it also got me thinking about different parts of my life, a different story, because you know I'm telling my story about the online dating scam to the world, but that's not what defined me. That's not how I grew up. And the story that I was able to write for you was something I had not talked about ever and it was about a fire that we'd had in my home and how that changed my view of stuff, of physical stuff and money. And it probably led me to being able to give away so much um, because it happened when I was young. But it's interesting to to reflect. And that's what I want people to do as they as they go into you know their own lives. Reflect on the good, the bad, and the ugly. And then own it. That's all about the story is owning your life 100%, the good stuff and the stuff that you think is really stupid or ridiculous because that's where you learn, that's where you grow, and that's where you can help. And as you said earlier, by being vulnerable and opening up to others and showing that you have a human side to you, that you're not just this perfect little, you know, wonderful person, that we do have lots of stories behind us. Um, but that's where people are going to learn from us. It's not from our looking good. It's not from those Facebook moments. I love to say that because I remember the first video I did on Facebook. It took me three hours to do a minute video. <laughs> I, wanted, I, I was trying to hold my camera in the right direction. And I was thinking, this is really ridiculous. I wasted so much time. And now, like you, it's just sit in front of the, sit in front of the camera, do your video, put it out there, and realize that it's okay. People want to see us the way we are. Sometimes with makeup, sometimes without, sometimes, you know, with pearls on for me and sometimes not. But it's refreshing to see vulnerability because that's where we learn. So we're going to have to take a short break. We're not going to have to. We get to take a short break for the moment. Again, take a, get a glass of water, refresh. So Kazia said about her mom, we needed to nourish and refresh ourselves. And if you want, check out Kazia's website. It's uh, 
womenofcontribution.com, womenofcontribution.com, and uh, see what she's doing in the world. And take a look at thewomanbehindthesmile.com. I've just put some blogs up there, and they're actually quite fun and funny. But they do have a social message to them, and there is something that we need to learn from them. So take a look there while we're on break, and come on back in just a couple minutes to enjoy our time with Kazia in Spain. This is the Voice America Women's Channel, where your success is limitless. Tune in to Patricia Raskin Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call in to Patricia Raskin Positive Living Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. It's practical, positive solutions for a happy, empowered, and successful life. Religion and faith are many different things to many different people. Once you have the basic foundations of religious faith, the rest is up to you. Listen for Everyday Spirituality with host and life coach Kimberly Tobin. We can look past the restraints of religion where it is thought that one belief is the gold standard and everything else is wrong. Spirituality can be found in everything and we can peacefully exist with different paths to belief. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Women. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn to live your best life. Tune in to Straight Talk with top therapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. Learn to transform your challenges into effective solutions. Whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety, or other traps, Sandra will show you how you can live the life of your dreams. Listen live every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Voice America Women. Your passion starts here. are listening to Defining Moments with Debbie Montgomery Johnson. To reach the show today, please call in to 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to Debbie at thewomanbehindthesmile.com. That's D-E-B-B-Y at thewomanbehindthesmile.com. Now, back to Defining Moments. Thanks, everybody, for coming back after you taking that short water break. Uh, it's it's wonderful to refresh and to come back. But Kazi and I were just, we were talking about our contribution and women of contribution and stories and how by telling our stories, we're able to really open up our lives for ourselves. But then as a gift to others, share what we've learned through the good, the bad, and like, the, like I say, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because he's got a different side of her, too, that we haven't talked a little bit about, and that is really the business side of her. She's been involved in corporate life. She's been involved in education life. And I just want to have her explain to us a little bit where she started from business-wise and how she transitioned into her Women of Contribution right now. Kasia, can you just give our, our listeners a little bit about who you are business-wise and your background for uh, the corporate life? 
Of course, of course. Well, I I'm spent 12 years um, in pharmaceuticals. Um, that's probably where the science side of me comes in. And when my son was about, he must have been about a year old, um, one of my managers gifted me the secret CD. And I remember putting it in my car because obviously um, in pharmaceuticals, I was in the car a lot. And I probably got half an hour, 40 minutes down the road. And I ended up having to pull over and um, I'll, I'll, you know, tell him if he's if he's listening. I, I ended up sitting there and listening to the full four hours of the CD. I was just blown away. It was like somebody had turned on a light switch and my whole world was in Technicolor, where before it had been in shades of grey. And I, I understood that obviously the secret was just one aspect of, you know, the universal laws. But it was it was my introduction into this world of entrepreneurship. And the person that resonated with me was a gentleman called John Asraf. And he had a book called The Answer. And it, it was kind of like um, a workbook that you worked through. And it got my mind going. And I, I liked it because it was all about the mind and how the mind worked and how to really get the best out of your mind. And I'd almost come to the end of the book and I realized that I needed to set up a business. And my son kept crying um, for two weeks solidly um, at night and keeping me awake. And every night I'd get back into bed and think, I'm missing something here that there's, you know, when you get that little niggle at the back of your head and you think there's, there's some piece of information that I, is there, but I just can't see it. And on the last night of him crying, I climbed into bed and it was just like, wow, I know what I'm going to do. And I set up a company, a focus to help women in later stages of pregnancy or those that just given birth because I had had something called SPD where my pelvis had come apart and was unable to caretake my home. And so I set up this business and within six months, I was inundated with corporate females who were trying to juggle the work-life balance. And I realized there and then that my business needed to change. And it became a female-based concierge company helping women to juggle the work-life balance. So we did everything from housekeeping to cleaning to making the evening meal through to looking after children. And it grew and grew and grew to the point that I had on average about 35 women working for me with amazing clients, but I started to lose myself. I began working an 80-hour work week. Um, I was just on overdrive constantly. I couldn't relax. Um, I was give, 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 probably similar to my mum. And I was being coached by um, a coach who said to me one day, I don't think your business is making you happy. And I poo-pooed it and I went home, sat with the family and kind of recounted. And by this time, my son would have been about five or six. And I said, you know, she said that my business is no longer making me happy. And my son said, well, mummy, you're always so grumpy. And <laughs> it was like my world fell apart. Um, I was in burnout. I was exhausted. And I'd set up a business to be around my children, and I wasn't succeeding in that either. And what happened afterwards was me um, walking away from the business, spending six months discovering who I was and what it was that I wanted to do. And I'd kind of figured I was getting a bit too old. You know, I was coming into my 40s, and, you know, you wouldn't change uh, careers over this time period, but I'd always had an interest in psychology and coaching. 
And so I started to coach women, um, firstly to discover who they were and take care of themselves. You know, you talked about the analogy of the face mask. So teaching them how to do that. And as that's kind of progressed over a time period, also teaching them the the stories that they tell do not have to become their reality and they do not have to dictate their future. And that's when I decided, right, enough's enough. I'm going to go back to, to university and I'm doing a master's in applied positive psychology where I look at what's right with people rather than what's wrong with people and um, help them to create a life of happiness and success and fulfillment. Well, and bravo for being able to walk away from the corporate I, I know that's a scary thing. I did it uh, from, I walked away from working at a bank and I was be, like you, I was very successful, but my mother came to me for the first time in her life and she said, I think you're going to get sick. Something's going to happen here. You're so stressed out. Uh, you know, we'd gone through a merger and customers hated it and I hated it and I was the manager and I was getting yelled at all the time. And I finally, a friend of mine called up and said, I think I can get you a job or I can get you at least, you know, an interview with the school district. And I said, I'll, I'll do it. I'll take it. Whatever. $60,000 pay cut just to walk away <laughs> from the corporate. Oh, my gosh. I remember I'm just thinking about it. It gets my insides just really tense. Um, it was just something that, you know, once you do it and you're brave enough to do it, and there you are being brave, uh, it's a lifestyle choice. But it's a mental choice that you just have to do what makes you happy or at least makes you a little bit happier than you were. Yes. Because I was fortunate that my husband was really making our, the, the money to take care of the house and our family. I was working for benefits and I was able to get the benefits from the school district where actually were better than the bank. But, the, you know, it was amazing when I, when I gave my notice at the bank the senior managers were just all over me. What can we do to keep you here? What can we do? What can we do? I'm thinking, there's nothing you can do. It's not about the money. It's about my life. It's about my health. It's about, you know, my family, my kids, and not about the customers because at one other point in my life when I walked away, resigned from the Air Force, I sat with the general, and I've told the story before. I was sitting down with the general officer that I worked for at the Pentagon, and he had this big book, and he said, Deb, why are you leaving? I always like to keep a record of, you know, exit interviews. And I said, sir, I'm going home to take care of my children. And he closed his book and he said, the Air Force will miss you, but generations to come in your family will be blessed by you taking care of your family. And that was a big thing for me to leave at the time of the Air Force, a corporate job, and to go home and stay home with my kids. Uh, for the first time, really, as a, as a mom at home, I loved it. I had so much admiration for my working friends, but more admiration at that point for my stay-at-home mom friends because they were really working hard. And they, you know, I don't think people appreciated what the stay-at-home moms were doing. And then I had to go back into the corporate life and was faced with that stress. And I'm thinking, I would much rather have a whole den of Cub Scouts working <laughs> at the soccer team, you know, the football team or whatever, than have these angry customers in my face. And, uh, you know, thank goodness that you did that. And, and isn't it interesting that it came down to your little boy saying, Mommy, you're always grumpy. Yeah. And you listened. Bless your heart. You listened to him. When you're out of alignment with who you're meant to be, 
there is always that risk of being ill, you know, whether that's burnout, depression or anything else. And actually, I think all too often we ignore that until the worst happens. We think it's not going to happen to us. We think that I'm taking care of myself. You know, I'm healthy. I'm taking my vitamins, etc. Uh, and then you go to the doctor and he says, well, your blood pressure's up a little bit high or, you know, you put on a little bit of weight now or whatever. And you're thinking, well, I'm still young. I can get it off. Well, in a few years, you know, you're going to be in the hospital with a heart attack or, I mean, I didn't drink water one time. So I'm a big proponent of water. I ended up in the emergency room with two bags of fluid going into my arm and then ended up in the, in the uh, cardiac unit thinking that they, that they said I was having a heart attack. Well, what it was was dehydration. Mm-hmm. And when I got the bill the next day is when I had the heart attack because it was a very expensive night in the, you know, in the cardiac unit. And I teased, I said, I could have gone to the Ritz cheaper than an overnight here. Uh, but I didn't see it. And as you said, most of our, our sisters out there that are working really hard don't see what that stress and that, you know, that perceived drive that ne- you think it's necessary to, to do all that stuff. But what is it doing to you personally and for your family? And now you're working with women, with yes. your women of contribution and your counseling. And how does that make you feel? It's like, it's like being at the front row of the most spectacular movie and actually seeing women blossoming into who they're meant to be and being and understanding what it means to be authentic. And for me, that's like the, the, the biggest gift that I can possibly be given is to, to see women stepping into themselves, stepping into their true purpose, stepping in and being visible as the shining lights that they are. It, it really is one of the greatest gifts that I could possibly be given, apart from obviously my children. But it is just spectacular to see that happen and see see the change that happens with, with women when they realize that by changing their story, um, they can really have an impact not only in the present, but in the future too. That's so true. And it's interesting. I, I, I just wrote something the other day. Someone asked me uh, about love living and leading. And I wrote something that said, I choose to live knowing that things happen for a reason. I believe that my experiences are, quote unquote, opportunities for growth. And also, although sometimes hurtful and sometimes joyful, each experience gives us a chance to stand up and help another going through a similar defining moment. I believe that God has a purpose for me and it is my privilege to rise up and share so that others may not have to experience firsthand what I have. Now, that was something that I sat down and, and just wrote, and I and I just I stood up. When I ever say I say stand up, I just want to stand up. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like if we stand up, if we rise up, if we want to elevate others, we need to put our head up, look up, and think, you know what? Everything that's happened to me in the past was part of my life, but it doesn't define me. So how can I move forward? And I love how you're doing that with the women that you're that you're working with. And I know, just I know that they feel of your genuine love for them. Because you can you can, you know, look them in the face and say, I challenge you, you know, I challenge you to look back. I challenge you to look forward. What's what's a challenge that you've given to some of your clients and and how have they risen to the challenge or do they shrink? 
Um, no, they don't shrink. Um, you know, you've used the word brave. They're incredibly brave. And I think when we realize that it, it is time for us to take control of our lives and actually make the differences and the changes to our lives that um, are going to make the massive difference, they, they most definitely accept the challenge. Um, I remember one client who discovered what non-negotiables were. And when you discover what your non-negotiables are, you discover those things that you will not change for love nor money. And for her, hers was being able to spend quality time with her children. And as a busy surgeon, um, you know, in the UK, it would dictate that she could not do that. And actually, we discovered that that was her non-negotiable. And I just kept saying to her, stick with it. You'll be surprised what happens. And her whole life has changed. Um, I'm sure she won't mind me saying because she's, she's given me lots of testimonials. But she ended up moving to New Zealand with her partner. Um, they now both work part-time, spending quality time with their children and also still you know, developing her career as a, as, you know, a fabulous surgeon. But knowing your non-negotiables helps you to, to have a guiding principle by which to live your life. And like I say, they definitely accept the challenge. Well, and that's wonderful. And sometimes you have to realize, like I did when my husband passed away suddenly at 55 years old, I realized that we're not guaranteed a long life. And the things that we wanted to do, we weren't going to be able to do that together. And I needed to live my life, you know, we, we need we should have. Here, I'm going to shoulda, coulda myself. Mm-hmm. We should have done things more for ourselves and our kids at the time rather than, you know, you start pursuing your, your business, you start pursuing your your you know, hobbies, and I lost track of my, I lost track of him, basically, and he of me, and I, you know, looking back now, and how I changed my life from that is when I have, I did remarry, you know that, and I just had my second anniversary, but we went into it realizing that life's too short, let's enjoy each other, let's hold each other's hands, let's tell each other our stories, our hidden stories, so that there will not be any, any hiding behind any mask going forward and live with joy each and every day. I thank you, my friend, for being with us today. I thank you for the power of the stories within. And I love what you said here that each of us is a natural storyteller and that we have stories that are so powerful that they can change lives. They can provide hope and help others move from the darkness into the light. Thank you, my friend. For those that want to keep in touch with Kasia, go to her website. It's Kasia. Go ahead, Kasia. Give it. I, it's a Kasia. No, women. Women. Women oh, of contribution. Women of contribution. I'm sorry. That's right. Women of contribution. Okay. Check her out on Facebook and uh, and realize that her stories and her defining moments have not defined her life, but they are certainly helping her live it to the fullest. I thank the audience today. Go to the woman behind the smile and see what's happening in our lives as we go forward. Drop the mask. Be the woman with the smile rather than woman behind the smile and learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And we're going to do that by telling our stories. So have a wonderful week this week, everybody. And I look forward to seeing you next week. And thank you, my dear friend from Barcelona. Thank you for listening to Defining Moments. Be sure to join Debbie Montgomery Johnson for another edition next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Find your power this week.